0: Welcome to the One Hope Church Podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good morning. Like I said, my name is Tim. I've been the district superintendent since last April. Before that, I led a small Wesleyan church in eastern North Carolina through closing and restarting. Over the course of about five years, we saw God do some remarkable things. It was in a military town, so the church never got over 200, but in those five years, we baptized about 120 people. We had between 6 and 10 people called into ministry, many of them ordained in the Wesleyan Church now, and pursuing ministry, leading churches, doing church plants, and it was a wonderful season of ministry. Well, while we were there, we started pouring into other churches. My wife and I, my wife's name is Anita, she heads up our social media, our website, and there was just added on to the district team to support churches. See, what we do on this district and what we do together is we help each other succeed in the mission that God's called us to. We raise up growing healthy leaders, we raise up growing healthy churches, and we launch growing healthy church plants. And in that, a lot of times churches need help with their digital presence. They need help with... Um, all kinds of things But one of them is just the way they market themselves Present themselves out in the world And so she's on the team designing graphics now For every church on the district to no cost uh, For no cost to those churches And I'm really excited about her partnership with us in that I also have two children uh, My oldest is Noah um, Scott, you would, uh, you're would, you probably not far from this But my son is now inches taller than me. I can't even pretend to be taller than him. He, um, he plays lacrosse. He just finished his freshman year, played varsity lacrosse, and lifted weights all year long, every day as a class. And now, as his just over 40-year-old dad, I um, have to throw my weight around control him if we start to wrestle. But it's a lot of fun to watch him grow. He loves God. He serves as a leader at school on uh, different kind of mentoring teams. He serves as a leader in his youth group, and it's been great to watch him transition. I also have a 13-year-old daughter. Pray for me. She's wonderful. She's creative. She's a bit introverted and loves to write. Last night, she just went up to her room about an hour before she planned to go to bed to write She likes to write stories And uh, plans on publishing a book of short stories before she graduates high school She loves Jesus She encourages other girls around her One of my favorite stories was at her middle school retreat She was with a girl she had just met Because we were new And she, uh, the girl was saying, you know I think God may want me to be a pastor, but everybody I know says girls can't be pastors. And she looked at that girl and said, well, all those people are wrong. Jesus says you can. If that's what he's asking you to do, he'll help you do it. Let's go talk to somebody. And she went with her to talk with someone. The girl was baptized at that retreat and is pursuing ministry. And and so I don't know what God has for the two of them, but it's remarkable and a privilege to get to be their parent. It's also a privilege to serve this district. We are just wrapping up uh, as of May 31st, my first full year as the district superintendent. We're coming out of COVID, but it's been a beautiful thing to see. Across the district, every statistic that we measure is going up. We've seen more salvations, more baptisms, more new believers, churches like yours who are building not by trying to get people to come back, but by reaching people who are hungry for God, looking for Jesus, looking for hope in the midst of this chaotic world. I want to just tell you a couple of stories before I jump into the message because um, it's just a, it's a remarkable thing that we're seeing. There's a little church in Mississippi. We have one church in Mississippi, it's in Byram, outside of Jackson. Byram is a strange little town, but it's a town that deals with a lot of addiction and overdose. In fact, there are more overdose calls uh, for ambulance in Byram than in Jackson itself. We've had this little church of 25 for, well, it's been 25 for over a decade. And I went and spent some time with them last August and helped them to think and begin to dream and get focused and limit what they were doing. And they decided that they were going to turn themselves outward in their worship on Sunday morning. And then they were going to eliminate everything else except for worship and Celebrate Recovery ministry because their community needed it. And last October, they launched Celebrate Recovery. And every Thursday night, over 100 people gather to eat, to worship, to worship. To pray and to get into groups where they confess their sin and help each other overcome it. The church has quadrupled since October and will be breaking 100 very soon in what God is doing in that little town of Byram. And the pastor talked to me this week and said, hey, I want you to talk to me about how we can plan to plant another church in Mississippi. That's one of the things happening on your district. Here in Alabama, we have two churches, one not far from here meeting right now. And they have been struggling on the verge of closing for a really long time. So we just closed them. But we didn't just close them. We helped them to restart. So in January, they restarted. You might remember in January, you got one of those unusual things that happened in Alabama. You're used to thunderstorms like last night. You're used to to tornadoes, but ice storms, it's a little unusual. (laughs) Their very first Sunday, their big Sunday, their launch Sunday, Was that Sunday you got hit by an ice storm? No new guests. Church of 25, but they were thrilled to be going after the lost again. And they've averaged reaching two new families a month. They've baptized eight people, and they're running close to 50. God has just turned them around and turned them outward, and they're excited about the mission of God again. And then in Prattville, not far from here, is one of our Wesleyan churches that restarted when the pastor got there. They were averaging 40. They went to two services, averaging close to 100, and saw um, about nine people saved on Easter in that little church that hadn't seen people saved or baptized in quite a while. Those are just a few of the stories happening on this district as God is doing something. He's setting something up for the future, and it's a wonderful privilege for all of us together to be a part of it, because you're a part of it. A little part of what you give goes to supporting the network and making these things happen across the district. Church plants. We have church planters who just moved into Gray, Georgia. We'll be launching a new church that we expect to lead to two or three churches in the Macon area over the next decade. God is at work. He's at work here And I'm thankful because it's mostly due to God using remarkable, faithful, yielded, humble leaders like the pastors and leaders you have in this church. Would you just take a moment and celebrate and thank your pastors for me? Yeah, it is a good, good thing. I want to just take a moment and pray before we jump into the scripture. Um, So I'm really excited to be preaching about taming the tongue today, and I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know it's about wisdom. Last week was taming the tongue. Um, It was all just for that moment. He was walking and just stopped. (laughs) Yeah, it was originally taming the tongue, and then he called me and changed and said, here, why don't you preach on one of the largest themes in all of the Bible? We'll give you wisdom to talk about. So we'll jump into that, but let's pray first. Father God, you are good. You are good. And you are faithful when we trust that when we go to your word, you speak to us. So I pray that you would speak to us. Use my words and make any that aren't of you quickly forgotten. Guide everything that's said in these moments. Teach us wisdom. Teach us to trust you and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So there was a, there was a moment I was transitioning A little over a decade ago, I was about to move from a senior leadership position into a secondary role, and one of my mentors called me, and he said, I've just got one thing to tell you, one thing that should help you as you go into this role. Now, keep in mind, I was about 30 years old, and he said, it's going to be way more important that you're wise than it is that you're smart. It's more important to be wise than it is to be smart. It's more important to be wise than it is to be right. And so I took that down, I wrote it, and I taped it up in my office, and I actually found the passage that we're going to be in today in James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. It talks about the wisdom of heaven, and I wrote that passage out, and I taped it. And wouldn't you know, I got myself into all kinds of trouble in the year that I was there because I chose to be smarter, right, instead of wise. That may be the folly of youth or arrogance or pride or who knows what. But the invitation that we find all throughout Scripture and in James today is an invitation to seek wisdom, to seek wisdom. This theme, this idea of wisdom is really important to James. He deals with it right from the beginning in chapter 1, verse 5. He, first, he tells hey, look, I want you to count trials as an opportunity, not a problem. Well, that seems backwards, James. Well, he says, if you don't get it, ask for wisdom, and God will give you wisdom. But don't doubt that he'll give it to you. Otherwise, you won't receive it. So he starts right from the beginning. He says, if you're going to get any of this, I'm writing to you about what this true faith looks like, what a true Christianity really looks like. But if you're going to get it at all, you've got to get this. Wisdom. Wisdom that comes from God. Human wisdom has value. In fact, he says later that through human wisdom, we've been able to tame all kinds of animals. We can steer ships and we can do all kinds of things. But through human wisdom... We can't even tame our own tongues. We need the help of God for that. We need the help of God if our faith and deeds are gonna work. We need the, the the wisdom of God if we're gonna be able to 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 manage the words that we use so that they match our faith. Because all around James and his day and in our day too, there are people who know holy words and know how to use holy words as weapons. Instead of blessings. And he says to us that it's not just about the holy words. It's about a life that that lives those out. Holy words apart from a life of following Jesus are empty. Holy words are nothing without wisdom. So right in the middle in James chapter 3 verse 13 he says this. Well who is wise among you? Who is wise among you? Most of us would like to think ourselves wise, but we should be careful, because the author of Proverbs says that, look for someone who thinks they're wise in their own eyes, and they're worse off than a fool. Okay. This is important to James. He wants us to get it. He's getting ready to unpack the difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. But before we can go there, I think we need to recognize that this is a theme throughout all of Scripture. From the beginning to the end. Wisdom. Wisdom is one of the most important themes in all of Scripture. And it's meant to free us. It's meant to free us. He's inviting us to recognize that it's better to be wise than it is to be right. We find it all the way back at the beginning of time. As God created everything. We find this, this beautiful poetry in, in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and this story of, of God creating with the the very word of his mouth. And he creates this beautiful garden and in the center of it. He puts humanity in his in his image. And he plants this tree. It's called the tree of life. It's a symbol of the life force of God being available to Adam and Eve and to every human being. It's it's something that is available to us. But beside it, there's another tree. The tree of the knowledge of Tov and Ra or good and bad. Now, in Proverbs chapter 8, it tells us a little bit about this tree. Verse, or chapter 3, sorry, Proverbs 313 uh, through 18, but 18 says this she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By the wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set everything in place. So God created with wisdom. And then, out of that very life force that is his wisdom, he plants this tree and invites us to eat of it. And then beside it, there's this other tree. This tree of knowledge. This tree of information. Of holy words, of right answers. And they're told, listen, this tree is not good for you. If you eat it, It's only going to lead to your destruction. And then he steps away. Comes back every night to walk with them through the garden to see how they're doing tending the garden. How they're doing in the not eating of that tree. And day by day they walk and they grab that fruit of the tree of life and they enjoy this relationship with god this walking with him in which he is teaching them the ways of the world way he's revealing himself and helping them to understand their place in the world and and how it all fits together but they get a little impatient and they decide that instead of walking with him and discovering his wisdom and letting him show them who he is and how the world really is and where they fit into it, that they should take it into their own hands. They should decide for themselves what is good and what is not good. They should decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. And they take of that fruit. And ultimately, when we begin to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong instead of trusting the wisdom of God, That comes from walking with him over time. It's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to pain. It's going to lead to loss. It's going to lead to envy and selfish ambition and strife. Because we don't know very well. How to choose for ourselves. What is good and bad. I mean the heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah. So we hit with this. Reality of wisdom. Peter Enns, a theologian, writes that really the entire Bible is a wisdom book and the whole purpose of Scripture is to teach us wisdom. James, Scripture, all of it is trying to help us understand the importance of wisdom. But why? Why? Well, I, I, think, I think there are several reasons but the first is that we really are bad at deciding what's good and bad. I mean, look around our world. We've set up this culture, right? Like, we have this culture in which you can't argue with me if I say, well, this is who I really am. This is my truth. I'm going to live out my truth. Like, we, we preach this whole idea. Not from pulpits, Hopefully. But our culture is constantly search out, know who you are, live your truth, name it for yourself, be who you really are, as if we and ourselves could figure that out. And because we're so bad at this, because the heart is so deceitful, or as James 1.14 says, we are tempted by our desires. We need wisdom. We need wisdom from God because even a fool thinks their path is right. We we don't have that ability. It wasn't built into us. We get led astray very easily. We get led astray by the lies of the enemy. We get led astray by our desires. We get led astray by a culture that affirms us pursuing the things that we really want our own selfish ambition, grabbing after anything that makes us a little bit envious. And I think the other reason is even more important. I love this. When when God began to help this click for me, it changed my relationship with him forever. I think we need wisdom, and I think wisdom is so important in Scripture because God is not a helicopter parent. God is not a helicopter parent. Think about it. He put this tree in the garden that they were gonna walk by every day and then said, don't eat it. Now, a lot of us as parents, we would have said, don't eat it. Then we would have put a fence around it. And then we would have built a brick wall around it. And then we would have said, you know what, just don't go in the garden at all. Because we think it's, it's protecting. But God wanted to do more than dictate. He wanted to do more than control and command creation. That's not the kind of leader he is. That's not the kind of parent he is. That's not the kind of God that he is. Instead, he invites them into a relationship of trust by giving them trust and he seeks to inspire them to be everything he created them to be so that one day they could do everything he created them to do. Our God is not a helicopter parent. I mean, have you thought about this? I mean, there are some things that are clear. Don't eat that tree. But a lot of what God says is pretty ambiguous love your neighbor well what's love which neighbor all of them all the time does it do do I have to like them too I mean do I have to hang out with them is it just the people who live in the houses near me or in my whole neighborhood or my whole city is it everybody I mean is it Christian neighbors or not Christian neighbors what do you you mean Jesus love my neighbor or or about this one disciples say well how many times do we really have to forgive and they thought they were they were they were pulling back on old hebrew tradition how about seven say no 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 we're gonna go 70 times seven really jesus do you really mean i am supposed to forgive 490 times like the same thing does forgiveness mean that i let them close enough to hurt me 490 times in the same way Does forgiveness mean reconciliation? Does it mean the relationship stays the same? Or does it just mean that when we get to heaven, I can pass you the mashed potatoes and not be angry that you're there? Right? Like, what is forgiveness? And who who am I supposed to forgive? Do I have to forgive everyone or just the people who ask? There's some ambiguity in Scripture. We could go through this all day. We could go through all ten commandments that seem pretty clear, but really there's a lot of questions. What if my kid is hungry and there's nothing else to eat? Then can I steal? What if, what if I'm protecting someone? Can I lie then? What if it's, a, what if I'm, well, we could just go down there. We won't go down that too much further. I think we've made the point. God's pretty ambiguous. He's giving us room and trust in a relationship to walk with him and work these things out. In fact, the New Testament tells us to work out our salvation. And so this this thing that God is doing in Scripture is inviting us on this this ancient quest for wisdom, this ancient relationship with him in which we grow day by day with him, and we'll make mistakes, and we'll walk with him. But what's more important than having all the right answers and being smart is that we're wise, That that we know who he is, and we begin to understand what he's teaching us about how the world works, and we can live that out. Do you realize that Jesus, Jesus in the New Testament, he asked 307 questions and gave three answers. Too much of Christianity today Is answers and not enough questions. And when we have answers, we don't need a relationship. When we have a set of answers to every situation, we don't have to walk with Him. We don't have to discern with Him. We don't have to trust Him. We've got the answers instead. And He doesn't want to just give us answers, He wants us to walk with Him in this relationship of growing and searching out and figuring out what wisdom looks like. What does wisdom look like in my marriage? What does wisdom look like in my parenting? I mean, you want to talk about, really, do you want to go for the answers in Scripture? Because Deuteronomy says, take that rebellious son outside and let everybody stone him. I've got a 15-year-old son, and every now and again he gets a little smart mouth. I'd like to throw a rock at him. But I don't think that's good parenting. I don't believe that would be a wise choice. I don't even think it's what God would really want me to do, but it's there. You see what I'm saying? We've got this invitation to wisdom, to be on a search, to be on this journey. Solomon was considered the wisest of all, really, because he asked for wisdom. That's what he did. He just asked for wisdom. He writes in the the early chapters of Proverbs to his children, his sons in particular. And he he tells them in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, Do not forsake wisdom, and she'll protect you. Love her, and she'll protect you. The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom, no matter what it costs you. And get understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Wisdom will protect you, not the right answers, not holy words, not knowing what to say that's right or smart. It doesn't take long through your 30s in the workplace to realize that being smart or right all the time isn't really all that helpful. (laughs) and probably causes you more problems than it does solutions. But the one who's able to discern and have wisdom in every situation, that's the one you want to work with. That's the one who has opportunity. That's the one who is protected. Wisdom. Wisdom. Before we get to Proverbs chapter uh, 3, and, and we are headed there, I promise. I want to tell you the, the biggest secret I've ever found to getting wisdom. Walk closely with wise people for a long time. Walk closely with wise people for a long time. when i was in my first lead pastor there was this guy named irving and i met him in the interview process and i asked this question well tell me about the best days of the church they were clearly not in the best days they'd ever had and so i was i was unsure i figured i'd get something about five years ago or this event they had done or this season and irving said well pastor we haven't experienced the best days of this church yet And I thought to myself, and I told God, I said, God, I want the wisdom, and I want the faith of Irving. And God just kind of whispered back, walk with me as long as Irving has, and you'll have it. Walk with me as long as Irving has. Wisdom is something that we get over time walking with God. Every time we act on wisdom, we gain more wisdom. But we don't find it naturally in and of ourselves. It's a gift from God, and we find it in others who have it. And one of the ways that we do that is we find those people who have maybe the marriage we want. If you're young in your marriage, find someone who's been married 10 years or 15 years longer than you and ask to take them to dinner three or four times a year and just ask them questions. If you have have little ones... Find those people whose teenagers act the way you want your teenagers to act one day and say, Kate, okay, can, I, can I bring dinner over to your house and just watch you parent and ask you lots of questions? Find that guy. I've got a friend. His name's Pete Benson. He was a church planter, and then he, um, he opened an investment company. He has been gifted to give up millions of dollars to Wesleyan universities. Um, the business school at Southern Wesleyan is named after him. And so, when it comes to anything money, I just ask Pete, because Pete has wisdom in finances that I want one day. If it's your work or your job or a business that you want to start, find someone who steps out ahead and spend time with them. If you are someone who's a little out ahead, invite others. One of the most fun things our wife and I did when we started Hydeon Church in Goldsboro was to invite a couple of teenagers to come to our house all the time. We didn't we weren't big enough to have a youth ministry. We had a couple of teenagers in the church, and so we said, "Well, did you just come over." We taught them to cook. They didn't know how to chop a tomato. Taught them how to do laundry. <laughs> we taught them how to be a part of a family. We answered questions about faith. We wrestled through relationships with them, and both of them ended up called into ministry and ordained. Not because we anything special, we just, we just spent time. If, you're, if you have walked with God long enough that you've experienced as a gift of wisdom, share it, please. The rest of it's needed. When I started in this job, I told him, I said, I need four things, and I'm going to go find them. I'll find a counselor. I'm going to find a pastor that's not a part of our denomination. I'm going to uh, find a coach. And I'm going to um, then find some other DSs who are doing it the way I want us to do it one day. And I'm going to spend time with them every three or four months over the course of the year. And so that's what I've done. Because I know that a fool's path seems right to them. And it's I'm one step from turning into a fool at any given moment. I need that wisdom. We need that wisdom. And so we come back to James. Says, who among you is wise? Who is wise among you? And now we're a little more cautious in raising our hands, but a little more hopeful, right? Of what it could be. And he says, then let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility, that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. He's getting a little bit aggressive there. It says, "For wherever you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder. And evil practice. There you find sin. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, it's peace loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wisdom, wisdom will always be paired with humility. True wisdom always is paired with humility. I know humility is kind of a tricky thing. The moment you think you have it, you probably don't. But it's this posture of recognizing that I've not yet reached where I need to be or hope to be. That I've not yet attained all the wisdom that I need or hope for. There is a journey that's continuing on. And neither is it this selfish wisdom. It har- doesn't harbor envy or selfish ambition. The world around us would describe those who, who raise up themselves as some kind of God for themselves as wise. It's turned everything that, that God says is bad and names it as good. And it's all about choosing for ourselves what is good and bad. You see, every one of us will stand in front of those two trees a hundred times a day, and we will choose to trust God in His wisdom and do what He has instructed us to do, or we're going to choose our own way. Our spouse says something that just. Hits us wrong, and we stand in front of that tree. Our kids mouth off, and we stand in front of that tree. Someone cuts us off in traffic, and we're in front of the tree. Opportunities come, and we're in front of that tree. What are we going to do? What are we going to choose? One way to be sure that we're choosing the wrong path is if it only benefits us and builds our pride instead of our humility now let's look at the wisdom that is from heaven quickly first it's pure it's clean it's single-hearted it's unpolluted it's the same word used for holy it pursues the things of God it's peace-loving the way of Jesus has always been the way of peace not division. So if this divides us and breaks us from people that we're supposed to love and be in relationship with, it's not the wisdom of God. It's considerate, gentle, yielding. Titus 3.2 tells us, even look for this among those who lead us. This is the hardest one, maybe. True wisdom from heaven is submissive. (laughs) Paul picks up the same thing when he tells us to submit to one another. This is the verse right before he tells wives to submit to their husbands. He tells everybody to submit to one another. Just making sure you know that. But submission is not typically associated with wisdom or strength in our world. It's the opposite. We don't want to submit. Right? My wife will occasionally help me with things like, hey, don't forget to put on sunscreen when you're on the boat. I'm a grown-up. That's my first reaction every time. I'm like, I'm a grown-up. Leave me alone. I am not one of the children. Five hours later, when I'm red and hurting, I'm sorry, Anita. I should have heeded your wisdom. <laughs> That's one of the simple, less embarrassing ones. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial. Impartial. That word, impartial, actually means unshakable, and it's sincere without hypocrisy. I don't need to dive into those. You've already been hearing about them from James. Look, our, our, litter, our world is, is littered with the debris of empty lives and empty religion, empty claims about what makes life beautiful and valuable. And James is trying to help us to see what's real and invite us on this journey. And he invites us to connect with him and experience him. But he knows we need wisdom to do it. And so two things. One, if you're not sure what to do a better question than is this right or is this wrong is this good is this bad is this, is this wise And if you're not sure how to answer that question then you have this little checklist is it pure is it peace-loving considerate submissive is it humble <laughs> right. and then this statement it's better to be wise than it is to be smart it's better to be wise than it is to be right and and I think that Jesus would invite us today to come back to him in a relational way to come back to him and not just seeking answers to our questions or solutions to our problems for this moment but to seek him the one who is wisdom the one who is life so that as we stand between those trees we choose him and here's the beauty of it it's a gift james chapter 1 verse 5 any of you lacks wisdom ask god who gives generously to all those who ask don't doubt Not because he won't give it, but because you won't be able to receive it in your doubt. So, where do you need his wisdom today? Where do you need to rediscover a walk with him? A deeper journey? Is it for your marriage? Man, COVID shined a light on every little speck of trouble in any relationship, didn't it? Do you need wisdom? Is it with your kids? If you have kids, the answer to that is yes. It doesn't matter how young or old they are. Is it for your work? Is it for a big decision? Is it for a big purchase? Where do you need God to give you his wisdom? The beauty is he just says ask. He invites us to ask, to walk in that relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my friends here today. I thank you for the, the journey of faith, whether it's at the very beginning, whether even just exploring that whole idea. God, I thank you for the book of James that reveals to us what a, a, true, Christianity, a true faith looks like, this walked out in deeds and words and humility But it's not all about having right answers or being smart or having it all figured out. That what we really need is a wisdom that walks with you daily and lets you show us the way. So God, for each of us, as we seek you, we're seeking your wisdom as well for our marriages. God, for the one who is having a difficult time figuring out how to come back together and communicate, would you give them wisdom? God, for the parent who is raising that infant or toddler, middle schooler, teenager, young adult, God, could you give them wisdom in their responses as they guide? May they find in you the path to do just that. For our work, for our relationships, for our finances, God, may we have your wisdom But even more, would we rediscover what a relationship with you looks like? Not as a command and control God that demands something of us, but one who invites us into this relationship of trust, inspiring us to become exactly who you created us to be. Trusting, walking, day by day, believing that in your time, we will have the wisdom and faith that we aspire to. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.